It feels like it's been a minute since we've been podding, man. It has. It's, I think it's been three weeks. I, I like I've been to Chicago and back, and uh, officiated a wedding since we last spoke. I don't know what you've been doing. Uh, Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea has fired and hired a new manager uh, since we last spoke. Yeah, they've Chelsea. Well, Chelsea's been real busy. If, if we were yeah. trying to catch you up on the Chelsea goings on over these last uh, three weeks, <laughs> um, it might take a while. Uh, I, yeah, it, it, literally, I was texting you about how I finally, uh, you know, I've been a theoretical Chelsea fan for like 20 years, um, never watching more than three matches in a season. Uh, and I'm really trying to commit to my Premier League fandom, at least in this time where I don't have much to do. And like, as soon as I actually started watching, they just started pooping all over themselves. And the co- the, the manager made me so angry that I fired him on, I think it was Monday, and then he actually got fired on Tuesday or whatever it was. So uh, shout out to the new Chelsea bosses for uh, surreptitiously reading my text messages to you. Thinking like you. And see, now you're, you're, like, you're, you're, getting, you're getting sucked in, you're feeling a little bit, and then the queen dies and the Premier League's like, we're taking three weeks off. I know. <laughs> Killing me. It's just one week, not right? Not are they actually taking three weeks off? It is well, it is two weeks. They're taking two weeks off, and then the following week is an international break. So, um, so it's oh, effectively man. Three when off. I checked the schedule this morning, they only had called off this weekend, not next weekend. But all right, yeah, I I, I haven't had that confirmed, but I've been told by several people it's two weeks. Ay ay ay, friggin', I mean, we can agree on this podcast that. Uh, a 96-year-old inbred passing away is nothing but a reason to make jokes on Twitter, right? Ooh, that was harsh. <laughs> yeah, I, but but tell me this. Harsher or less harsh than colonialism? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. And I, just, look, I was just going to say, like, it's not a real monarch, guys. Like, what, yeah. like, what are we doing? <laughs> it's just an Two old... And, and, like, I'll, I'll be honest. If... You know, even with all the atrocities committed in her name, like if she was fifty, I, I, I'm I'm not gonna make fun of it. But th- the lady had a plenty good life. You know, she ruled or pretended to rule over a country for seventy something years. She lived her entire life in the lap of luxury with dozens of corgis, like rolling around with her. She's fine. She did fine. Everything's cool. Congratulations to her for making it to 96, where many will not. And, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with marking her passing. But two weeks? Like, what are we doing? (laughs) There's nothing wrong with marking her passing. But, yeah, let's not all pretend like you couldn't see this coming. She was 96 years old. 
like uh, it, it doesn't have to be it's not a national tragedy it really isn't for no. any nation the, the king the, the the upcoming king seems like the national tragedy that could be a national tragedy that's right <laughs> that's right but, um, be but sad I, that charles is king don't be sad that a 96 year old woman passed on <laughs> two weeks two weeks of grieving it's a little melodramatic is all i'm saying it's quite melodramatic and the policing <laughs> of jokes is ridiculous Shout yeah, out no. to Ireland, by the way. <laughs> I, I missed I, Ireland's got jokes. I missed that. I, Ireland has more than now. You think I was harsh? I saw <laughs> a video of a full football stadium chanting "Lizzie's in a box" yesterday. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That, someone, that is someone had a tweet that was like, "My my cousin lives in Northern Ireland, and they just started setting off fireworks." <laughs> <laughs> And honestly, I don't care one way or another about the Royals. Like, uh, you know, and, and nor should anyone. It's all fake. Right. And I understand that, like, someone lost a grandma, but and, and you know, I understand that they're upset. But, like, let, let's all just take it down a notch. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. I'm all for taking it down a notch. Uh, all right. So we have missed a whole lot of challenge. So I yeah. guess we probably should start by getting uh, by getting caught up there. I wanted to ask you. How are you consuming the challenge? Are you are you on Paramount Plus? I am. I'm waiting a day and Paramount Plusing it just to avoid having to fast forward through commercials. I you know, I think that's fair. I so and that's generally how I've been watching the show, but one of these weeks um I think for schedule or just cuz I had time to watch it on Wednesday, I I I watched the um the broadcast version. Mhm. You know they're different, right? I I mean, it should have occurred to me. They're bleeping stuff. Uh, they don't bleep anything, really. They clearly just ed- must edit those kind of lines out entirely because there's oh. not a lot of bleeps. You know what I mean? Interesting. Which makes which makes you wonder, like, what else is different in the CBS version? You know what I mean? And I didn't have the time to do sort of an A, B. I was um, just going to say, I desperately want somebody else to watch them side by side and tell me what's different. <laughs> yeah. I hope it's just the cursing, but it'd be interesting if people are, you know, uh, listening to this and maybe experiencing the show slightly differently than we do. So, yeah, that is um, interesting. I, I will say the other reason I'm watching it on Paramount Plus is just because it comes on at 9 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, and and my wife, who likes to watch with me, is in bed by 9:15. So, um, you know, it's not very practical uh, for my for my lifestyle, <laughs> for my new <laughs> child laden. 6 a.m. wake up lifestyle. Uh, but I now I'm gonna make a point of not watching it on CBS because <laughs> I don't want to miss the swearing for God's sake. No, the swearing, the swearing really does improve the show. You'd be surprised. Oh, there's no question. There's no question. I you wanna you wanna know what people are really thinking, and if they're not swearing, they're not telling you what they're really thinking. Yeah. Um. All right. So I, I have one more question for you. Um. You know, now that we're getting kind of pretty close to TJ's final. By the way, have you noticed, like, there's clearly a contractual obligation to exclusively refer to it as TJ's final? Like, TJ's final get, is getting shoved into sentences, like, pretty awkwardly now. You know what I mean? Yes. I I don't even know if it's con- – like, yeah, maybe it's a contractual obligation. But it's definitely, like, a point of emphasis from the producers. And I would like, guarantee you that if you just said the final, that they make you recut it and say that's TJ's right. final. Right, that's what I was going to say. Whether it's a contractual obligation or not, they're definitely like correcting people 
because <laughs> nobody just says the final. It's always TJ's final. And fair enough. You you host a show for 20 years. You deserve it. Look, we are, we are on the record as gigantic TJ fans. You know what I mean? Like, I and got a I TJ love- cameo for a birthday not so long ago. That's right. I gave it to you. Uh, <laughs> I love the uh, that they calling it TJ's final, but like the militaristic way that they're doing it, right? Like it makes it well, seem it a little it, bit unreality. You know it, what I mean? It like makes I just it stand to... out unnecessarily, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. By the way, if there's background noise, I, I apologize. I, uh, you know, I didn't want to put the dog in the crate for the whole podcast recording, so I'm not in my studio i'm in the regular part of the house watching her stare out the window at cars um and then listening to those cars so uh my bad all right it's quite all right um so is there anyone uh that you are hoping either doesn't make or fails ridiculously in tj's final i think this is a leading question because i think you know exactly what i'm gonna say and I assume you feel the same way because everyone I've spoken to about the show feels this way. Uh, and the, even the official challenge podcast seems to feel this way. Uh, it's Sarah. It's Sarah. I oh, want her no. to fail so spectacularly and then cry. That's what I want for her. Uh, Interesting. I, I find like I have never in 25 seasons of of dedicated challenge watching i have never seen someone so preposterously overconfident given the actual facts on the ground and i understand she's a survivor champion and everyone in survivor thinks she's the best i understand she was a former mma fighter and by the way she's from chicagoland so i'm really breaking type uh hating on oh, her man i misplaced her accent i had her as upstate new york no, I'm pretty sure she's Chicagoland. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't have it. Yeah, I didn't, and when I say I had her, that was just what I thought. I didn't, yeah. I didn't read that um, or look. <laughs> it's just a guess. She is. She has been broke and talking trash the entire show, and the idea. That she was upset not to be thrown into a hall brawl with a man is the most ridiculous thing. I'm sorry. Like, congratulations. You're a former MMA fighter. You're a police officer. I'm sure you're very tough. I'm not doubting your strength. And and I'm trying to imagine CBS legal when they're like, we'd like to th- we'd like to throw a woman into a right? hall brawl. <laughs> Like, first of all, you're you're trying to convince people to do something that there is an absolute zero chance they would be allowed to do. If they had called your name on men's elimination day, TJ would have said, she's not a man, pick a man. So, like, it's a moot point to begin with. But then to act like you – like, she's either pretending – that she would be confident in a hall brawl against Enzo or she's actually confident. And I'm not sure which one is stupider. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, you're right. I think think (laughs) (laughs) that's fair. Um, okay. Uh, I, uh, I guess I have a hot take then. Oh, um, let me first say that I, I think everything you said is perfectly right and valid. And I, can I guess, 
counter argument to any of it. Can, can I guess who you're going to say you don't like? Okay. Is it Dom? No. Oh, all right. Dumb. It is Hit not me. dumb. So, uh, but my hot take is, I am Team Sarah, and oh, the wow. reason that I and the reason that I am Team Sarah is because the one person that I do not want to see win under any circumstances is Sarah's mortal mortal enemy, Angela. So, really, I am so fully out on Angela that I am willing to support in all her over cocky odiousness. <laughs> I'm willing to support Sarah and anyone else who is smart enough to take. I, I'm not going to use the word I was going to use to take this woman, uh, this mean girl out of the game. <laughs> she is a mean girl, but you, you know what drives me nuts about her? Because I've, I've enjoyed a lot of the mean girl characters on this show in the past. Yeah. Cause they're fun, but Angela, not there's fun. nothing fun about Angela. She's just mean. She's just mean, but, but she is backing it up and manipulative as hell. I don't care that she's a good contestant. She's not a good personality. Yeah. I, you know, I think her, what she needs is uh, some, some like, uh, she needs like a, a training. <laughs> I don't know why this just popped into my head and it's, it's definitely a weird reference given everything. But do you remember, uh, was it the Louis C.K. show where they had, David Lynch come in to train him for hosting yeah. a late night show. Yeah. That she needs like whoever the David Lynch character that teaches you how to be better on television is what she needs. She needs like personal instruction yeah, on how to be I an think, engaging TV presence because for someone who I is I think being mean and like talking shit about people is kind of that's kind of the only way she's like well that that gets me camera time, right? right like, but but as you're you kind of saying like that that stuff is an art especially on a show like The Challenge. And the people who are really good at being mean and talking about people in that way, but but making it entertaining, are special TV characters. And yeah. she is not that. Um, she is like, You mean. slept through the whole show is the best is like the best she got. You know what I mean? Right. And honestly, talk. like, I don't know if she realizes she's talking about stuff that we don't see on TV. So, like, telling us that Enzo slept a lot is not actually the burn that you think it is because it's just like, oh, I guess he sleeps a lot, but maybe that's because he's 44 fucking years old. Well, um, and look, a lot of this, you know, I mean, I, we've talked about this plenty, but I still, I, I have a lot of confusion about how people, how people are approaching this game. And I am, I am borderline baffled now at the assumption, like people are acting on the assumption that this is going to be a partner challenge, even though we've all, they, everyone's been de-partnered in the game. They're still assuming it's a partner challenge and then still acting Finally, accordingly yeah. about trying to get rid of weak people. And there's no evidence at all that it's going to be a partner challenge. Like it might be in that there's like a it's either partnered or unpartnered. So I guess <laughs> you could say there's a 50-50 chance. Yeah. But that's it. Like there's and they're making strategic dumb strategic decisions based on this. I, I, like you want 44-year-old Enzo in the final. Well, so Ben beat him. Ben understood that, right? Now I will right. say Ben understood that, and then got, and then, but then got manipulated by Angela. Now, okay, so I differ on this. I, I don't. I, maybe he was manipulated to a degree, but I also think he is in a in a impossible situation because I do think. Now, first of all, I I think it's a reasonable assumption that there will be partnered aspects of the final. 
even if it's not fully partnered, even if there's a chance you never have a partner, like going into the final expecting there to be some sort of partnered element, I don't think is is yes, poor strategy. We, we all know the most likely outcome, right? Because we, you know, we watch a lot of finals, right? Right? Is that if it's partnered, it's going to be a it's rotating rotate. partner system, exactly. Yeah. So I I agree with you that they are overthinking the partner final aspect. No question about that. But when it comes to Ben, I think it's an even more reasonable assumption to feel like if I deadlock this vote, I'm in danger on a men's elimination day. So in the same way that last week, it seemed like Desi kind of just... My, here's, here's my disagreement about that. But first of all, Ben's not going to be in danger, right? Ben can't go in. Why not? Because he won. Well, but but we've he seen... Up, he showed up to the elimination in a suit. You know what but, I mean? Well, but we've seen in the past that if they've deadlocked the vote, your your safety goes away. They'll put you in anyway. He doesn't know that. And I, he talked about that. They have, there hasn't been a deadlocked vote yet. No, but he he talked about that as a possibility. They have discussed that possibility, and I think that's a a safe assumption mm-hmm. that like I, you might I not be safe. On the safeness of that assumption. Now, look, I do look. I agree with you that clearly, Angel was never going to say Tyson's name. So, like. You're sort of Dom like you was could the, try to deadlock Dom him was with the Tyson. Guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, yeah, like I, Dom, th- Dom was the guy. Like A, protect your friend. B, you don't need to care about being in this alliance because there isn't going to be another men's that's elimination. Right. The, the alliance doesn't matter. And here's the other part. Um, you could have made the argument to Angela that, okay, I get it. You don't want to be partnered with Enzo, but do you want to be partnered with Dom? Like, isn't it six of one, half dozen of the other? Like, let's get this heavyweight out of here for god's sakes plus enzo is super likable man like he is so weird but his energy is really positive and yeah. and i can understand why ben likes and, him so much dom you, you seems like a real him. i like him blanket. personally but enzo you know what I mean? right? yeah like every single contestant's like i like him personally but now i'm gonna say something really mean about him yeah uh, and look i get it because he has been clearly as bad as dom is and so Enzo's been Same worse. They're old. That's know? right. They're old, but Dom's also out of shape, and also it seems like kind of a dick. So to me, again, it's it's pretty. Even if you, even if we agree, Enzo's probably the worst competitor. It's pretty close to six of one half dozen of the other. And I would have, if I was Ben, I would have been like, I understand you want Enzo. I understand Tyson's off the table. Let's compromise. And, and send Dom in, he's probably going to lose. And, you know, if there's partners in the final, it's likely to rotate. So everyone will take a turn with Enzo and it'll be fine. Also, like, you got to respect Enzo's heart. And also, he's still here. So suck it, Angela. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I Honestly, I think I might have, even, even at risk to my personal safety, uh, I might have said... Um, I'm saying Tyson. So either we're, either you're saying Tyson or we're going to deadlock. Yeah, <laughs> the problem with that is, so. like, you may not need the alliance anymore, but I don't think there's ever a time in the challenge where you want the best player in the game looking at you with anger in his eyes. They're already they they're already a feud. He was already planning to take a shot at him, and Tyson took a shot at him earlier, right? So... I, yeah, I don't, I don't know well, about that. 
I don't know. Like, it, it, it's like if it's it, it, it might be like a cold war right now. But I don't think I don't think you are incentivized to make it a hot war at that point, especially when you see that it's going to be like an endurance. You know, well, endurance. it shouldn't have been, and it shouldn't have necessarily been an endurance thing. Oh, I don't agree <laughs> like with that. that. That's the way. That's the way that it worked out. You know what I mean, dude? Five rounds of that game is going to be an endurance thing. I think, like, if you dominate it, it's not. You know what I mean? And I and like, why not? You got to go. You got to go ten times, regardless. I understand, but if you if they're quick, right? Like the reason that right, like is because you've got you can't be quick if you're doing the sand, ground though. and pound struggle. You know what I mean? But it's always going to yeah. be that because you can't you can't create space in sand, man. Yeah, I don't know. We get to that. We get to the specifics of that elimination. It's I not so much say, about creating space. It's about you know, it's about lowering the shoulder, right? Is it's about driving the guy? Well, but know? unless you're much bigger, that's going to create the ground and pound struggle. That's that's kind of my point. Like you're you're not going to get away from the other person, so you're going to fight with them, and and because of that, I would say that elimination is probably the third worst to have to compete against a friend in after hall brawl and pole wrestle. Like yeah, that yeah, is not the one where you you know like there's plenty of eliminations where you're working side by side and it's a race of some kind. But is there anything more uh, disappointing than when the guy goes for the jump shot in that game? No, it is the it's it. Not only is it sad and kind of pathetic, but it's the surest sign to your opponent that you do not want that shit no more. Yeah, it's it's like it's the give up. I it, it, the funny thing is like it's never accompanied by like I could sort of see it like if you're gonna take the jump shot, but like as you're shooting, you're kind of like shifting right and like trying to get space so right. that you can get behind the guy it's your you way of distracting them so you can run around them to get the ball then fine yeah. but if you're if it's a fade away no no. you just shoot and then the ball is laying there somewhere it's always like a free throw <laughs> and then you just stand there and watch the other guy kick it out of bounds like oh well i tried and have you ever seen anyone make it i don't never. think i've ever seen anyone make it I think never it's a in the elimination shot. Right. So I, I think there have been challenges where there's a like ball element and someone shoots it in successfully, but never in an elimination. And also because part of it is because by the time you choose that strategy, you're, you're like panting. <laughs> yeah. You're not in your right like state of physicality to calmly take a jump shot. Uh, and also, by the way, jump shooting and shoulder pads. Not ideal. Yeah, I'm sure. um I'm sure it was an edit, but like the weirdness of of him doing that right after they like have him saying like I really feel like my back's against the wall right now, you know, yeah. and I'm gonna fight to win this. Right. Was, and instead, uh, was very weird. Instead, Kobe. <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> David. He's like, he's I, like he was like Kobe in the in the NBA Finals against the Celtics. Yeah. I, that I have to say, Enzo, as much as he is 44 and and not the ideal competitor he has really impressed me in eliminations like his fight is a hundred percent there yeah yeah for sure uh while we're here did you uh i thought that tj telling david <laughs> you're definitely a competitor uh was that, uh, maybe most the most backhanded compliment he's ever given <laughs> because he notably like, did not for tj <laughs> he notably said nothing about potentially seeing him again 
You definitely like you were you were definitely here. You definitely <laughs> did come on this television show. <laughs> Cuz he has said to like he told Cache, I'm sure we'll see you again. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. The bar I isn't that high. Called her a great competitor at some point. <laughs> yeah, like when you, I, I, I'll tell you what too. Like, I bet you that jump shot played into it. Yeah, it probably did. Probably did. It's not quitting, but it's as close as you can get without quitting. Yeah. Uh, I actually made a note. It says Angela sucks. That's it. That's the note. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to argue that uh, she seems to suck as a person and she is not engaging TV. And frankly, you don't need to take my word for it. Just check her screen time. Like, for someone who has dominated physically, she gets very little screen time. And almost all of it is people uh, being mad about her. That's right. That's right. But I also have to say that, like, it's not as though the other – that the, the women she's going against have done a great job of coordinating or strategizing or anything. No, um, they've been terrible. And that was the next thing I wanted to ask you is, so what do you think about Desi's ali- last-minute alliance switch? Because I think that if she had stayed with the remaining fabs, if you will, right, that they really would still have an advantage and an opportunity to at least get one of those two girls out, right? Because it sounds like we got one more women's elimination left. Well, right, and and I would say last, you know, the previous episode in the same way that, you know, I get Ben – not wanting to push it with Tyson, but I would have made a much stronger argument for Dom. Like, I get that with Tyson there, you weren't going to be able to throw Angela in, but I would have made a much stronger argument for Alyssa. Like, there have been options for these eliminations that would have represented a compromise and been entirely reasonable. And not to I, mention the whole connect four thing to be or collect four or whatever. To well, begin with. but you know what? Sarah made her own bed by behaving like the most ridiculous spoiled child I've ever seen on the challenge, just (laughs) whining to every single person. They're trying to do me. You got to put your thing on there. Like, don't you don't. (sighs) That's not how it works. Right. You have to to explain it, how how it benefits the other people. Yes. And and like you have to find a way to have that conversation. And if it happens before or like right at the beginning of the chat, like you have to find a way to have the strategic conversation, not just like randomly holler at people trying to tell them what to do. No one is going to listen to you as that. And that's exactly what happened. Her lack of ability to lead people uh, with her words. Right. Is also what's like she should have been able to explain to Desi. Yes. Hey. We st- we'll still be four on two here. Right. There's only one elimination elimination left. Right. The numbers are here. You will be safer yeah. here than exactly. being protected with them. But she she was not able to effectively make that case. No. Um, and part of that is, I think, because she's doing things like trying to get herself thrown into a men's elimination. Like, people are not taking her strategy seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't watch Survivor, so no, me neither. Uh, maybe this but, stuff, maybe this stuff really works on Survivor. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's interesting listening to the podcast. A couple of Survivor people have actually shared our sentiments that, like, I and said things to the effect of, "I just think too many Survivor players brought too much Survivor strategy onto this show," and 
you know what? It's to be expected. I still think overall, for a group of people that I had zero attachment to or even knowledge of, this has been a pretty entertaining season of the challenge, even if it's been incredibly frustrating to watch them bungle the strategy at times. Mm. You're not feeling it? <laughs> mm. I mean, look, the challenge is a great game, and they're playing it. It's so a great game. And, I'm, and not gonna, I'm not going to say it's not entertaining, uh, but it's. I have this below all stars in the in the hierarchy of Yeah, sure. Challenges. But that's. I don't think that's saying a ton. Like it's not like All Stars was mediocre. All Stars was really right. good. We not- only have three versions of this show, and it's clearly the worst. I don't like. I don't know what else to say. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but but like, uh, what's a good analogy? Like, it's it's possible to have three versions of a thing and have the clear worst one still be decent. Yeah, it's decent, but like, I don't know. I, so maybe I think it's a little less decent. You, you might, but I also I think part of my consideration that I don't think you're uh, really allowing for is that like I am excited to have a a wider, bigger challenge universe, and I am understanding of the fact that like you got to get some like there's going to be some minor league ball going on. There's going to be some qualifying rounds effectively yeah. before before we can really have an expansion of the best version of this show. And, and I think for qualifying rounds for minor league ball, this is pretty good. Yeah, this is, it's like watching MLS. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But it can still be entertaining. Which I, do. I have a good time watching MLS. There you so go. There you. Um, and look, right. I think we are going to get a fun final next week. They're going to the mountains. Like that's, that's where the best finals take place. People are going to, yeah, I'm not, I am not crazy about this supersized episode. I have some concerns with their yada 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 in the final a little bit. Like we have seen finals be two episodes on we their have. own, and now we're getting a final and an elimination in one episode. Yeah, I'm intrigued about that too. I I am curious about why, and I sort of wonder what's on deck challenge wise that they're in a rush to to get this over with. You know, I, my my instinct is that this is some sort of network uh, issue. You know what I mean? That like we're on CBS instead of MTV, and you know their schedules are a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's I a little bit more schedule traffic. You know what I mean? Yeah, but as I, a matter of fact, know. now that I'm looking at the TV schedule, the week of the 20th is when all the network shows start. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it seems like it, it, but it also seems like this could have been an editing issue on the part of the producers. Like there are, because I'm uh, assuming there's going to be a mid, there's going to be a mid final elimination as as traditional, right? So yeah, probably uh, there are to 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 put this in context. Uh, Wednesday the twenty first, I believe it will be. Um, there are three different. FBI's premiering on CBS. Yeah. So I the, think it is. I'll probably fact, draw a bigger number than the challenge, I'm gonna guess. Yeah, uh, yeah I think so. Um, it's a little different when you're not when you're not going up against ridiculous reruns. <laughs> right? so. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and again, like I, th- that's okay with me because this is all there's a bigger picture here. Um and I think the bigger picture here involves sort of training both the audience and the new players in what makes this game what it is. And, and I like, I expect that to take a couple of years and I'm okay with it. 
Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's like the peg challenge. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go first, man. <laughs> so I will say uh, like, Ange- by the way, how Angela, like just being like, well, I'm a genius climber. You know what I mean? And not going, well, I got to watch four other people screw this up and I learned some lessons. Yeah. You know, but I will say this as well. Before the first one, my wife and I looked at each other and said, well, you just put a row along the bottom, right? <laughs> Good for you. Cause I, you know, and even Tyson was out. like, I'm smart enough that I should have been able to figure that out. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Well, I, I hope somebody uh, wins from outside of this principal alliance because I'm annoyed at all of them. Oh, by the way, uh, record this week for Danny. Six minutes and 18 seconds before he got the geeky shout out in. I don't, I don't, don't know if that's going to be topped. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm, I'm glad you were timing it. Um, I, it's my favorite running bit. <laughs> like, I, 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 I have no complaints about the Kiki usage on this show, none whatsoever. No, I don't really understand how. I mean, I guess I sort of understand for him because he hasn't been doing that great. He's just like, I can ride this. I can ride this Angela's Superwoman train to the finish. But man, he's he's loyal to her for sure. Well, I, I'll tell you what. I actually kind of think. Danny has ended up playing about as good a game as anybody because it's not hard to envision how it could have worked out where everyone was saying, let's get the NFL player out of here. Yeah. But he really, he, he seems like he's a super friendly guy. Everyone seems to really like him and he's really played the background. Um, Yep. I and I I think like heading into a final that's going to probably be the biggest athletic test like he is a definite contender um and kind of a sleeper. Uh although yeah, I would you know, say distance running it's hard not to look at both Tyson and Sarah and say they have a tremendous advantage. So, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Um we will, uh, and, and that was, that's definitely the one, if there's one area where Sarah really has shined, it's been, been the distance running thing. So Yeah, well, the, the, I mean, she has, like, when you Google her, she did some crazy, like, seven marathons in seven days on seven continents thing. Like, she's a oh. psychotic distance runner. <laughs> that's, yeah, I, I guess I have not Googled her. Um, all right, let's move on. Should we move on to some shows? Yes, sir. I feel like we should... Uh, Talk about uh, House of Dragons and Lord of the Rings sort of in tandem. Uh, quickly, uh, by the way, I, I should correct this because I said Chicagoland. Um, I should have said greater Chicagoland because she grew up in Iowa. Yeah, you, you're definitely getting greater when, you, when, you're, when you're taking it out to Iowa. Listen, uh, Chicago is still the only relevant city uh, within hundreds of miles. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically till mo- – well – Milwaukee's not really hundreds of miles from Chicago, right? No, but Iowa is closer to Chicago than Milwaukee. And, um, you know, put it this way. They're Cubs fans in Iowa, okay? Yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. They got, they got some Twins fans in Iowa, too. Um, let's uh, let's talk about uh, House of Dragons. All right. <laughs> so, I after one episode, I had some reticence. Uh, about this show not like 
criticism necessarily because the first one felt really piloty to me. Yes. Um, but just like I don't know if I'm going to be along for the ride for for with these characters so much. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of the second episode, I was all in. Um, Number two was the best of the yeah. three by a lot. I thought. I'm now getting to a point though, um, where. I'm wondering why this world isn't a little more expansive. You know what I mean? Like it's we're basically telling the story of one of one house right now. Uh, you know, le- like Lannisters sort of exist. You know, we we've, we've encountered them a little bit, but it, it's you know what I mean. Like it, we're we're not seeing the whole board for sure at this point. And I'm wondering how I I'm assuming there's a larger board. Where do well, we maybe? Get? I was gonna say maybe even more to the point. We don't have a sense of like who's even on the board at this point yeah. in history. I mean. Like how many kingdoms are there? Right. <laughs> they I think they've said seven kingdoms, right? Yeah, well, so. I mean, I think it was seven kingdoms from the time that Aegon took over. But I I I do agree that like especially to your point, given the sort of piloting nature of the first episode, I mean it's almost all set up. Like a little bit more set up. Like, do the Starks exist? Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I would love to know, like, in that piloty first episode, they put, you know, in theory, you're putting all the pieces on, out onto the board, and they own, they didn't, it, it feels like they left a lot in reserve. Now, maybe that's something that's, you know, slowly going to reveal itself but i'm with you that it does and maybe i'm remembering wrong but it does feel like when we started game of thrones we got a better sense of where everyone stood at the beginning yeah i feel i like that's sort of how i feel uh it's hard to go back all the way back in your head to that first season but yeah um yeah that's that's i definitely think and there were certainly more stories told in the uh right Pilot then, well, because uh, by like by like the third or fourth episode of Game of Thrones, you've got one group on their way to King's Landing. You've got Theon headed over to, you know, talk to his family. You've got Rob moving his army. You've got a whole different story with uh, what's her face, Catelyn Stark doing her thing. Like Arya's got her own story, and it doesn't. It doesn't feel like they've done that yet, but we might be being very impatient right now. And overall, I mean, the set piece of the battle in the third episode was pretty spectacular, I thought. Yeah. And it's been really quite entertaining, and they have certainly set up enough drama to, to carry it. I just, I'm with you sort of wondering, like, but what about the other families we know? What's going on with them? Yeah. I, I'm not unhappy with the story that's being told, but um, I, I feel feel like there's a lot more story that we need to get to. And it, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. We're we're at the start. We're we're. It's just weird to only be on one journey right now. Like, yeah. I want to be at the start of a lot of journeys. I feel. Did like. you? Uh, did you clock? How long did it take you to recognize? Um. Lord Hightower. 
I'm not. Uh, which one was Lord, <laughs> Lord Hightower? The hand. The hand to the king. Oh, so I still have it. Should I know who that is? That's Reese Evans. Oh, Jesus. The great Welsh actor. In my like heart, in my heart, he'll always be the kicker from the replacements. But many will know him as the often mostly naked guy from Notting Hill. Um, there's like a Reese Evans assance happening over the last couple of years. <laughs> he's he's in a lot of stuff all of a sudden, and and I quite like him. <laughs> Um, yeah, I can't say that I that now now that you bring that up that I'm a, a huge fan. I don't know that I would have picked up on that to begin with. Really, so, you don't know him? I mean, I, I you know I I know the name. Um, right. Fair enough. Never, I did not pronounce it the way that you did. So, <laughs> uh, well, I, my also, wife recently corrected me on that. I've been saying Reesefans most of my life, um, but yeah, I said uh, iFans, which is clearly not right. Like, no, I'm, you, I'm sure you were saying it right. I just did, just not. You know what I mean? Well, I guess that's. I guess IFANS can can be Welsh for Evans. Um, yeah, for sure. So you know, by the way, the Welsh really having a, a moment right now. They're headed to the World <laughs> Cup. I'm I'm excited about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I don't know. Do you, you, <laughs> do you have more House of the Dragons thoughts? I guess we could segue right into Wales if you want. We do. We do have some Welsh content to talk about this week. We do. We do. Yeah. Do, were we not talking about Welcome to Wrexham? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But I, th- I thought we were going to do uh, Lord of the Rings first. That's we why, were. We were going to do Lord of the Rings. Off. All right. So I got. All right. Uh, yeah, no, I started jumping around because because you started talking about whales. So I'm like, should we just jump to the other whales thing? That's my bad. Uh, That's my bad. Uh, but no, I I I I am cautiously optimistic about this show. Uh, House of the Dragon is what I would say. Uh, I I think like it could have. There's a world where it comes out of the gates on fire, and I'm like, oh man, I'm totally 100 percent in, and I this is going to be amazing, but. Short of that, I I think it's an off to a, quite a good start. Yeah, I'm also cop- cautiously optimistic. I I think we're in good hands. You know, they're doing a decent job with the world building. Uh, when they, you know, the characters that they have chose to broaden, uh, I'm interested in. And so, shout out to Patty Considine for playing what I would say is against type, because yeah. I feel like that guy is always some like downtrodden drunk, and. Being the king is is he's really good. He's br- he's bringing some downtrodden drunk drunk vibes to the king though. He is especially <laughs> this last episode, but like it's still it's very different to me than his normal role. Agreed, agreed. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm cautiously optimistic about uh, this show. Uh, I would say that I'm I'm certainly pessimistic about Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this because I actually, I think I enjoyed the Lord of the Rings first couple episodes more um, than House of Dragons. Uh, but thinking about you as I watched it, I think it's probably a bridge too far. We talk about this all the time on this show, but it definitely violates your, like, I'll take one step into fantasy with you, and then that's about it. Because it's it's a full it's a fifteen steps, steps um, into the fantasy of it all. Now, if you're 
a fan of Lord of the Rings content and and like the books meant something to you and these some of these older characters mean something to you and like you're fascinated to discover whether the stranger who falls from the sky turns out to be Gandalf then this show is for you because it is incredibly well executed I think you can see the money on the screen and it looks spectacular uh, and on, I, on that point, I will certainly agree. Like, yeah. if you were here to like see the dwarf land, like look, you know, fantastic, they got you. You know what yeah. I mean? And All, if like everybody's land looks fantastic, totally, it looks incredible. I think the actors they have cast as Galadriel and Elrond both strike the right tone, particularly Galadriel. Not sure going to roll with you there. <laughs> well, but again, like I think th- it's just not for you, right? That this yeah. is just not content for you, but I give zero fucks about this. Like, yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I care. Don't. I I have not read the Lord of the Rings appendices in enough detail to know any of these stories with any uh, real depth, and so for me to see a young Galadriel and a young Elrond is fun and exciting, and I think again, I'm not saying either of them are Daniel Day Lewis, but I think they strike the right tone, and. I am excited to watch more. It's sort of like watching a, yes, I know where these characters end up in the very long run, but in the meantime, it's like a little sort of unfolding mystery of how they got there. You see, you're like, you're like, I'm really invested in the mystery of this man from the sky and, and whether or not he's going to be Gandalf. And I'm like, when are they going to say that's Gandalf? (laughs) Right. And I think that's, yeah, that that's a perfect representation of, of yeah. like, this is just not, it's not for you. Um, it's for the people, you know who this is for? Well, apparently it's for 25 million people, so what do I know? But I think in yeah. terms of, like, real investment, this is for people who watch the extended versions of The Lord of the Rings. Like, if yes. you felt no compulsion to watch the extended versions of Lord of the Rings this probably is just more extension you're not interested in. Yeah, I felt the opposite of a compulsion. Like, I could, it was unimaginable to me that someone would want to make those movies longer. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, maybe I can shed even some light on the movies. This. I like the movies. No, I know. But that that but, also kind of, you know, I, I think was part of it for me is like, when you think of those the three movies as nine hours of content, and, mm-hmm. and like, that's kind of like, to me, it's like, oh, man. Like, that was great. That's a lot of content. You know what yeah. I mean? So, and then there were nine more hours of The Hobbit, which wasn't nearly as good. Um, right. And so now I get got, it. This is going to be like 12 hours, right? And it's not moving at the pace that the move, that the films move. You know what I mean? So No. Uh, and again, natural, like, like for me. I don't know that I'm here for that. Yeah. For, you might be. Yeah, I 100% am. And for me, the extended versions of Lord of the Rings was like, oh, hooray, I get to spend more time in that world. And also, admittedly, I know in those extended cuts, I'm going to get some more Easter eggs for that are literally aimed at me as a reader and lover of the books. And I think this, in a lot of ways, that's what this is. Now, obviously, they're hoping it's an engaging enough story and it looks awesome enough to draw in millions of other people, but fundamentally at its core i think this material is for lord of the rings diehards and i agree with you that it's gonna take a serious uh content lull for me to finish this i would i would think yeah 
Yeah, I, I think that's what I would have predicted. Um, I will say, and I'm sure you agree, I get tremendous joy out of the pathetic racist hand-wringing from people who are upset that some of the characters are not the same skin color that Tolkien described 100 years ago. Um, oh, wasn't aware of that. <laughs> but well, it's it's. <laughs> I'm sure it's happening with Game of Thrones losers too. Uh, but like, the notion that fantasy characters have to be any particular race is one of the funniest and most laughable, idiotic takes I have ever heard. And I just hope those people are tortured in perpetuity. By diversity. Particularly Lord of the Rings, which is already a show with an imaginary racial with imaginary racial constructs. You know what I mean, right? Like multiples. Like, <laughs> you're 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 worried about representation for dwarves. I, right. What are, we, what are we talking about here? Right. You know how dare they change that dwarf's beard color? Like literally, go fuck yourself forever. Yeah, hundred percent. And by the way, we're not going back. So again, I, I look forward to watching those assholes be tortured by diversity in perpetuity. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, we might go back. <laughs> well, yeah. Fingers crossed. Hopefully we're not going back. Um, all right. <laughs> For what um, it's worth, I, I think Hollywood is farther ahead on this issue than uh, most of the country. So yes, you know. 100%, 100%. I'm just saying, you know, when the, fascists take over and they mandate that right, <laughs> right well hopefully at that point the country of california will be well enough established that the movie industry right, continues right, right, to thrive. Right. yeah 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 you feel me <laughs> i do can we talk about welcome to rexham now <laughs> and listen i'll i'll save you a i'll save you a spot uh you know we we got a nice rental unit here um so when when the fascists do come to the midwest uh <laughs> yeah underground the underground railroad <laughs> yeah we'll get you out here buddy Okay, great. We'll take great. care of you. Um, all right. Uh, I I'm in love with the, with the people of Wales. I it it is it is only the relative inability to watch them that has kept me from becoming a Wrexham supporter instead of a Chelsea supporter. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's a whole big controversy actually because they're you know currently trying to really get these games streamed since there's now. Uh, large audience that wants to watch Wrexham and there's a lot of complications with it. And, but um, I just, I, you know, I, what I keep thinking about is like how bleeping cool it would be if you're like living in just to choose a semi-local example, Stockton. And you've been watching the minor league baseball team in Stockton for your whole life. And suddenly, like, just to, to flip it on you, Michael Sheen comes along. <laughs> right. And buys the Stockton baseball team, and all of a sudden, you feel like you have a chance to join the major leagues. Now, I realize yeah, that's, that's a— That's the other part of that is that it has to, it has to be possible for Stockton to become well, right. a major league baseball team if they just win enough games. You know no, I, mean? I know, I know. I, but but I'm saying, like, first of all, that—, that shines a spotlight on how much better the promotion and relegation system is than what we do here. Um, but it's also just so effing cool. And this show, in addition to being funny and clever and and interesting because of the two leads, I guess you'd call them, 
Um, and for people who don't know what we're talking about, Welcome to Wrexham is a television show documenting... A documentary, yeah. Yeah, documenting Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney buying a Welsh soccer club and trying to rebuild it. And it, it is a, a Welsh soccer club that has as much history as any soccer club in the world, pretty much. They yeah, play... Little, little, the oldest, yeah. Yeah, they play in the oldest stadium in the world that still hosts soccer. And they're in a town that has been through really hard times. And the team was very nearly like sold for parts and broken up by a guy that have you caught up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A guy that seems to essentially be a modern day robber Baron who like got Pushed who, out like, of, who was the, who was the guy in It's a Wonderful Life? You know what I mean? Like, the right. Guy, like, He's like a literal <laughs> cartoon villain. Um, and instead, like the the team was essentially purchased by its fans, who then didn't have enough money to actually invest in it in the way it needed to be invested in. And along comes a miracle, a, a literal miracle for these people. And to see the way the town is reacting to the new possibilities. This is not only entertaining and not only like fun to consider from a competitive soccer standpoint, but it's like heartwarming and joyful. And I, it just the show makes me so happy. I wish I could watch. Like, really, what I want is for the next three seasons to be available to watch them hopefully achieve promotion. And and by the way, let me ask you. Obviously, this the the action we are watching is old. Have you looked up the reality of what has happened? I I, I already knew. So oh, I have not. And I don't want to know. Like, the drama is thrilling. And I'm excited to watch it. And all I want is more Welcome to Wrexham. And, and it doesn't hurt that they may have found the two most charismatic guys in the world. <laughs> like, Ryan Reynolds is truly... Uh, just a special individual. Yeah, you know it's it's funny because I had some friends that I was like just telling them how much I loved the show, and they were like, they kind of came out as Ryan Reynolds haters, basically. <laughs> like, like they're like, I would I would like to root for that for their I'd like to find out who their rivals are so I could root for them against Ryan Reynolds. And I'm like, uh, okay, man. Why? <laughs> I didn't know those people existed in the world. Me neither. He seems so aggressively nice. Like, Not only I, that, like, but funny, clever, like thoughtful. What do, he's like the Steph Curry of acting, for God's sakes. I I, yeah. I can't understand why anyone wouldn't like him. <laughs> and, this, and like he's genuinely funny. I, and I, look, I'm a big uh, Rob McElhaney fan. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, I'm here for all the jokes about how much more famous Ryan is. Like, yes, some of those it's are so funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and, 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 like, they lead into that in, 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 like, a funny way. And, and like, Rob, you can tell how much, like, Rob cares yes. as well. You know? And, like, I, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting to watch this kind of on the back of All or Nothing, which, you know, I loved as well. And, of course, it's about this team that I'm already emotionally invested in. Yeah. and. That show, I mean, look, you get plenty of the fans, and you see some of their anguish. It's definitely more first-world anguish, you come to realize. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, when watching these two shows in tandem. But that show was so much more about 
football. Right. And and some of the people who play football. You know right. what I mean? Like, and this that's is what about people. You if you don't care about football, this is like about life almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's the story of this town as much as it is the story of this team. A hundred percent. And you're like yeah. in the attic with the mediocre band that plays the ridiculous song. You know, like it's it really takes you to Wrexham. Yeah. Uh, which I think is an achievement. And and also I think in the in the very first episode, <clears throat> Rob McElhaney does such an incredible job of relating the Wrexham story to the Philadelphia story, even though that is a huge stretch in reality. Yeah, like like they're like you know like Philadelphia is more like Liverpool than it is Wrexham. Yes, you know exactly. what I mean, right? But but he does an incredible job of sort of, I mean, in many ways. What he's really doing is like explaining why people love sports, yeah, and and what yeah. it can mean, and it's so true. I mean, look, I dedicated a, a twenty years of my life to a career in sports, and both of us, you and I, are stupid, obsessed sports fans in more ways than one, and there's like a deep understanding that comes with that. And I think it allows you to identify with these people half a world away in a country. We know nothing about playing a sport that like, sure. We both understand it. And, and you are even more of a fan of the actual majors than I am, but like fundamentally it's not our sport, you know, but there's a sense of being able to identify with these people over this one silly thing, supporting a sports team. And using that as an entree into uh, a, like a documentary about people and life and community is really special, I think. I, I really think this show is almost totally unique and, and lovable. Yeah, and I, would, I, I, and I would say, and I think maybe you've gotten this already from what we're talking about, liking soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, is not at all a requirement for, for this show. Like I think, I think you will enjoy it whether you give a crap about it or, or soccer or not. You it know what I mean? It seems to have very little to do with it ultimately. Yeah. Like yes, that's a, it's a, but but the the real question is, do you understand the spirit of competition and are you interested in people? And if the answer to those are yes, I think you will love this show. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. There's there's so much to love here. Um, all right. The, by the way, the guy who owns the pub is just spectacular. <laughs> There's so many people that are spectacular. There are. You know, like almost to the point of like, I wonder like, is, you know, is the single dad guy like, oh man, God. he's re he seems really invested in his kids. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah. I, like you hope you don't end up hearing horror stories about these people later, but, but he does. He seems super invested in his kids and super understanding of the wife that left him and also just utterly dedicated to the football club. There's the guy who has cancer, who is who his wife asks him if he has any things he really wants to see before he goes, if he goes, and he says he wants to see promotion for the football club. Like yeah. it's I don't know, it's it's silly, but it's also beautiful and and deeply human. All the old ladies, the the oh, the yeah. lady in the lady in the wheelchair that they hire to run the handicapped access, like yeah. oh man. Um it is. It's every time it ends, I I can't wait to watch more. It's. Yep. I really love this show. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting sort of shift to the patient. Um, yeah. For me, uh, how many how many did you watch of the patient? I watched all three. Okay, so I watched the first two. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, did you find the 30 minutes of this a little jarring? Extremely jarring. And yeah. they are, I think they are doubling down and playing into that by um, going hard on the cliffhanger. Yeah, I think I, I think that's true. All three um, of the first three episodes end in dramatic cliffhangery fashion, uh, and I support it, uh, even though I can it, it can feel frustrating in the moment. I'm not against doing that with a show like this because this show really does hinge on dramatic tension, and you know I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be against you for uh, fabricating a little extra dramatic tension at the end of each episode. <laughs> the um, I look at the performances are great. I mean, it's definitely um, what do they call it? A two hander. You know what yep. I mean? Like where it's like, you know, it's two people in a room basically, right? Um, yep. Although uh, there is flat. a there's a notable third character introduced at some point. It might be the third episode. Well, and that's what I was gonna say is that it's weird because you know I found myself like wanting more a little bit but yet i haven't i haven't made the third one yet so um uh so i don't i'm not sure what that means entirely i'm Look, not saying that, that, I'm not, that i'm out on the show because i'm definitely gonna keep watching because uh, i, I want to see more about where it goes um i i will say both of those two hands are just spectacular yeah like donald gleason is quietly one of the most interesting actors working and, and has done just his career spans as many different types of characters and sort of roles as you could imagine. And I, I can't remember him not being great. He makes a lot of interesting choices too. He does. And he makes a lot of stuff, but he seems great. Like he's been in some things that I would say are not super memorable. But I agree, but I also think them. he's been you know good I mean? in them. That's right. Yeah. Like, I, th- you know, there's a there's a rom com called About Time. Are you aware of this? I'm not sure. It 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 made surprisingly little waves, uh, considering it stars Donald Gleason and Rachel McAdams. But, and I'm not going to tell you it's the greatest movie of all time. It's a I didn't see it though. It's that a rom com, but I, he and her are so good that I just I it's I love the movie. Even recognizing it's not a masterpiece, I love it. And to me, he is that kind of actor that makes things enjoyable, even if they're not great. Yeah, that, uh, that's fair. That's fair. So the question becomes, is this great? I mean, I, I think it's it a little too early to tell. To me. I think it's a little too early to tell, but I, I will say it is both engaging and perhaps to this point, largely because of those two guys, Steve Carell and Donald Gleason. But it is both engaging and also, I think, legitimately, like, philosophically interesting. Like, the notion, and slight spoiler, I guess, although this is in any description you read of the show, but the notion of a, I, I mean, serial killer who wants to stop killing and goes to a psychiatrist to try to get there is interesting to me. That's it's an interesting concept. Now I we'll see if they pay it off with an interesting story, but I am in on exploring that concept philosophically. Yeah, and I, you know I think the principal difference between maybe us here is that I've I'm very confident we're in safe hands because it's the guys that did the Americans, and I love that show. And you did not love that show, so I 
uh, wondering if, if you maybe felt the same. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't know that I have any inherent trust in the people who made a show I never watched really, but, um, I so far so good, I would say. Yeah. Um, all right, also, my wife is a dedicated consumer of all serial killer content, so we'll be watching this regardless. <laughs> like, I Fair open, enough. you know, we have the separate Netflix profiles, and if I open hers on accident, it's just murder, murder, murder everywhere. <laughs> so she was all in with you on Blackbird then, it sounds like. Uh, no, I, I – listen, don't, don't tell my wife, um, but she – works full-time still and also goes to sleep very early so i have to make some executive decisions about shows that i don't even talk to her about because she will want to watch them and then i'll have to wait for her yeah all right fair enough fair enough so uh mum's the word on that <laughs> that's a deal <laughs> uh all right i i have a homework audible again this week i apologize uh, you know, for this it, it's not like our pre-production meeting is two days ago like how can you have an audible between an hour ago when we started this podcast and now I thought it's because sometimes something comes up in the show and I'm like, Oh, I forgot. I mean, there was this thing I was thinking about. <laughs> oy, oy, oy vey, I say, but go ahead. So I'm going to throw it at you. Um, uh, right now it's an Apple plus show. Um, Oh, is it bad sisters? It's bad sisters. Yeah. I'm on board. I'm on board for that. Yeah. I was not on board with the show until I found out it was a Sharon Horgan show. And now I, I feel like we should watch. Yes. I like Sharon Horgan, and also like the other women in the show are uh, people I enjoy for the most part. Bono's kids in it. That I did not know, and makes me less interested. Wait, who's Bono's <laughs> kid? Uh, Eve Hewson. No kidding, I did not know that. Yeah, Bono's Bono's real last name is Hewson. Huh? Is his name Bono Hewson, or is the whole thing made up? Paul Hewson, I believe, is his. Is his she was. That's. Uh, Whatever. Um, <laughs> but somebody reminded me on Twitter today that uh, this is an anniversary for uh, Bono and company. Do you know what it's an anniversary of? Is this the the, the day they dropped the the free album on, on uh, iTunes and everyone uh, hated them? I'm sorry. Did you call it a, a free album? Because what I would call it is a forced album. <laughs> I would call it a free album, yeah. Did you pay for the forest album? Yes. I, I paid with my time that I had to spend <laughs> deleting it off of my phone. <laughs> Did you pay money, though? No. It, so it was free. It was free. Yeah, That's I guess. Trip. But to be fair, like, I pay for <laughs> Apple Music, so everything's free. <laughs> right, okay. It was no more yeah. free than any other album I'm listening to on any given day. <laughs> it just was forced onto my phone unceremoniously without anyone warning me. I am a person who likes YouTube, but gets a, a, like understands a lot of YouTube criticism. I don't uh, even hate YouTube. This, this, the, 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 the Apple thing I thought was a little silly personally. It's yeah. And it's not that it's just silly and it's honestly like, who cares? I'm not that offended or upset by someone forcing, but some people songs. were, you know what I mean? Yeah. But <laughs> I will people... say this. It's, it's a pathetic act, not befitting to one of the biggest bands in the history of the world. Look, they were. This was a time when everyone was trying to experiment with cool ways, cool new, innovative ways to drop your record, and they just they just misread how it would be perceived. And frankly, Apple should have known. And and told everyone them. should have known. 
And so, if you're looking for a cool way to give your album to people, might I suggest you look at your near neighbor's Radiohead who have handled it ex- exceptionally well and everybody agrees that they've handled it exceptionally yeah, well. Yeah, I agree. But they, somebody, they'd already done that, right? Yeah. So they wanted to try something new. Uh, you know, th- it all comes down to me. It's like, sorry about the free album, man. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry about the free album. Yeah. No, I agree. It's a, <laughs> you know what it's I mean? A, like, it's a, it, it's a, you're apologizing for a thing that seems absurd to apologize for, except that it's annoying. And I think the chief and very valid criticism of you two and particularly Bono over the last 30 years is you're annoying. Stop being annoying. <laughs> you know, look, and I think that I, and I wonder if the t- conversation would have been any different if the album was good. Right. Which is also part of the part of. The yeah, maybe. But, but anyway. also that plays into the whole thing. Right. Like you're well past your time and now you're shoving some of your worst music down our throats so to speak like it's just not it's just it's not a good look man it just wasn't a yeah. good look it's but not also worth the amount of discussion we've just dedicated to it agree and i'm not gonna hold think, it against i don't think it inval- invalidates 20 20 solid years of excellence so well i uh, wouldn't call personally. it 20 solid years of excellence but that's beside the point it certainly doesn't invalidate eve Houston as an actress and i will gladly watch bad sisters <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> uh, all right, let me. I had already forgotten what else we got for homework. Okay, of course you. Uh, we got "Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul," uh, yeah. which is on Peacock. Yeah, uh, this is never, a Regina Hill movie. Yeah, uh, Hall, but you had never heard Hall? of this, which surprises me because I, I feel it's so fun. I, you know, a totally different and probably interesting podcast at some point would be us examining the ways in which the algorithm broadly speaking feeds us different content over the course of our lives. Um, I mean, I think this is a simple one, right? You've been watching the resort. Yeah, but I've seen ads for this on TV. I've seen ads for this. I did watch the resort. I also watched the Northman on Peacock. So I have been watching some Peacock, but it's not just Peacock. I mean, I've seen this on Twitter on, I, I've seen a lot. I've of seen Hong not for Jesus save your soul. So um, there's, there's that, uh, but I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, my Peacock content at the moment is almost exclusively Premier League football, and they are—they uh, don't—they don't show a lot of entertainment ads during that. Yeah, but you know they what know I mean? where you are, and they know you're watching on Peacock. Like they could show you the ad for Honk for Jesus, but, Save Your Soul. You know what I'm, I'm not, saying? Yeah, like they, I, could. they just haven't been. Well, but that's what's interesting. I think that's why when we franchise uh, our podcast network, that will be one of the podcasts examining the <laughs> algorithm. <laughs> it is it is mysterious it is mysterious i did did, uh, did i tell you i wound up watching the woodstock the netflix woodstock documentaries you did wow yeah i'm surprised just because it, i felt like i needed to be in the conversation those were the only <laughs> ones that people were talking about you know what i mean <laughs> i would have just pretended you watched it because you watched the other one you probably knew most <laughs> of the stuff well i would i would say that you know this one spends a lot of time with some particular people that are not in the HBO one, you know what okay. I mean? Some, some of whom, you know, I'd say most of whom were attendees, but some were people like Ananda Lewis. Remember Ananda Lewis, the MTV VJ? Boy, I sure uh, don't. Let me Google it. <laughs> you will, you will, you know, if you, if you see her, you'd remember. Um, but like, you know, oh, so yeah, yeah, sure. so, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, she was on a lot back then. Um, you know, so it's like to be, you, you kind of want to get in those stories, but the, the content and the ideas are basically all the same. 
<laughs> yeah, it's not something I feel any need to uh, look into, to be honest. Yeah. So, uh, but I, you know, I wanted to be able to talk about it with people, and so I, wa- so I watched. And it's not bad. It's just not as good as the HBO one, and not as necessary. Yeah, and it's again examining the algorithm is going to be a fascinating podcast when we do get there. Yeah, for sure. But my point was, I think it's it has been served to so many people. Um, well, I think maybe more than anything, it speaks to the power of Netflix, people. right? Yeah, yeah, no, it really is. It really and, is. and and I think by, by a similar token, the Lord of the Rings consumption, assuming they're telling the truth, uh, speaks to the ubiquity of Amazon. And, and I think it can be hard for people like us because we're consuming so much HBO content and, you know, like because we do this podcast and explore things on Peacock and Hulu and all of that, that like the reach of Netflix as sort of the originator of mass streaming content and the reach of Amazon because of its unrelated business is just much bigger than the other services. Yep. Look, I'm a believer in Netflix um, as a, as a business, you know what I mean? Um, But I, you know, I, Obviously, we we've talked at length about the, the content issues there, so I'm not going to yeah. get too far into that. Well, um, I, I will say, like the the Sandman gave me a little bit more optimism about the the future and direction of Netflix, um, but it, it hasn't exactly been accompanied or followed by other interesting releases. So, who knows yeah, I, and, and for me, um, the Sandman was good. But it doesn't give me a lot more optimism because I think it was it's it's the kind you know what I mean? It's it's the kind of genre show that I think they were always gonna try to make. Maybe, uh, but it but it was really well done and I thought like you know, that it's something they chose to commit money to and did a really good job with. That's what's encouraging to me. Yeah. I just want to see more good shows without giant special effects budgets. You know what I mean? Well, and and I would also say probably more good shows without um, really good, widely respected IP to build from. Right. Exactly. And and that's the kind of thing that they used to do a lot of, and don't yeah. use much anymore. That's and that's that's why the Sandman doesn't uh, encourage me, even though I did enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So we got one more item in the homework. So Bad Sisters, Haunt for Jesus, Save Your Soul, and American Gigolo on yeah. Showtime. Yeah, and neither of us particularly care about American Gigolo. I mean, I guess it was a, what, Richard Gere movie? Um, but we do both care about John Bernthal, so fingers crossed that uh, this is good. Yeah, Richard Gere kind of underrated, by the way. Uh, As an actor or specifically American Gigolo? As an actor. No, I, I don't have any particular fans about American Gigolo the movie. I mean it's a Paul Schrader movie. It might be good, but like yeah. I never saw it and I don't care about it. But he had, the man had a good run. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Richard Gere had a great run. I feel like yeah. Richard Gere is at the absolute upper echelon of not particularly spectacular actors who are really good looking. Is that fair? Yeah, I I mean I, I like I can't. Right. Would I call him a spectacular actor? No, but I think he's I think he's quite good. Yeah, and he's I perfectly good. He would be good in something now. I don't I don't Agreed. know if he's been doing a lot lately. You know what I mean? I totally agree. Let me ask you this: Can you think of a single Richard Gere role that made you go, "Wow, that guy's great"? Um, 
I think my point is proven. <laughs> uh, primal, primal fear. I thought was pretty good. Right? Yeah, but that's because Edward Norton is spectacular. Richard yeah, Gere is just Edward perfectly Norton good. Is the thing that you think of exactly, right? <laughs> and that's my point. It's not that he's not great. And listen, I have a ton of respect for any man whose middle name is Tiffany, but um, like I said, I think he's at the absolute upper echelon of not not particularly spectacular actors. Yeah, I mean, Officer and a Gentleman. That's a little before my time, honestly. Yeah, yeah, perfectly good. Perfectly good actor, just not nothing special. Not not special in any way. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I shouldn't uh, say that he is special in one way, and that is the way he looks. That yeah, that and you know, I think you know when you think about a guy whose career I think was probably affected by a crazy homophobic rumor. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's also a little bit uh, unusual. Yeah, and ridiculous and unnecessary um but yeah again like good actor nothing special but but among the very good actors <laughs> <laughs> of all the actors out there richard gear was definitely one of them you were you were definitely a competitor richard gear <laughs> <laughs> oh that you know what way to bring it full circle <laughs> thank you very much that note we should get out of here all right, bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.